Pitmaster, an old Virginia smoke podcast. I'm your host, Luke Darnell. There are lots of people that have taken their success in competition barbecue and turned it into a commercial success. These people have a passion for barbecue and cooking that goes to a different level. And you'll find no two better than Megan and Jason Day with Burnt Finger Barbecue. Megan and Jason have been extremely successful in the competition world, particularly at the American Royal and Memphis in May and have translated that success into a fantastic brand and career around Birdfinger Barbecue. So please join me in welcoming Jason and Megan Day. Welcome to Megan and Jason. How are you guys doing? Good. We are doing well. Great. Good and well. Yes. Good, good and yeah. well. It's well, <laughs> and staying well, so let's all be thankful. Absolutely. And that's been, you know, the last time I saw you guys, we were all in Kansas City together at the Big 12 tournament. And... uh Pretty much that was the weekend that all hell broke loose. It got yanked yeah. out from underneath us, didn't it? Yeah, you might uh, you might have been the last time I shook somebody's hand. <laughs> you know, it was there for a long time. That was the last time I'd had eaten in a restaurant mm-hmm. in Kansas City that weekend. And that, that lunch we all had together. Mexican. Uh, yeah, yeah. And people were like, where's the last restaurant you I'm like, this little Mexican joint in Kansas City. <laughs> So tell me what's going on with you guys. I normally stay out of current events, but you guys are absolutely everywhere. Tell me what's happening. Okay. Well, we have been very fortunate to, we struck a deal with the Home Shopping Network and they had approached us basically after we went to Memphis in May and did really well in ribs and said, hey, let's talk about getting a line we know Burtfinger Barbecue has been doing meats and seasonings and sauces for a while. Would you look at doing some things for the Home Shopping Network, you know, customer? And so we said, of course, let's let's jump on that. And so we're in year two and really hitting our stride right now. Mm-hmm. And especially in the COVID situation where I can't fly down to Florida and go into the studio, um, and you know, that would cause me to be away from my family for three days. And, but now I can just Skype from my kitchen and then we ship out the food direct to consumers and we're able to play with it and have fun. And right now we have a honey barbecue, uh, a pulled chicken, chicken, which is delicious. And, you know, we do, we do ribs, we do wings. And so that's, that's really been fun for us because now we're doing it more often than normal. So that's kind of keeping us and our face out there pretty, pretty heavy. Our sauces and seasonings just won a big award. Yeah, both. So we have, we have two different sauces and two different seasonings, the Smoky KC sauce and the Smoky KC rub. Mm-hmm. Both took first place in the American Royal sauce and rub contest. So Surprise! Uh, we have not cooked a single barbecue contest this year, and we got two blue ribbons at the American Royal. Wow. Congratulations. <laughs> you know what? That's, hey, let's call it a great year. Yeah. <laughs> success done. Excellent. Excellent year. And then, you know, we just have some side projects that we're always working on with distribution and getting into different bigger retailers. And so we just found out we're in Shields and we've got Bass Pro and Cabela's and 
you know, really the ACE hardware system. So that's been really fun for us is, um, you know, one of the things they ask us is try to stay relevant and try to win. Yeah. And then we have something to talk about when we talk to those buyers. And so being able to say that we've got some of those accolades, I think, you know, success begets success. And that's what we're seeing here is that authentic thing we're doing is resonating. So we're just going to continue to do that thing. (laughs) Absolutely. You guys are, you guys and Burnt Finger are the gold standard for people that have really taken barbecue and made a life out of it. It's, It's actually one of, you know, my experiences meeting you guys was something that pushed me in that direction. So you know, I, I have the utmost respect and, and belief in what you're doing. You know, and one of the things that I've learned about both of you is that you are both confident. And you both, especially with yourselves and with other people, but also in the times that we've seen you on the competition trail, you guys have a confidence about you. So where does that confidence come from? It's just about knowing our barbecue, right? We know we, we, know we, we cook good food. And so we just approach competition barbecue uh, from the perspective that we're just going to have fun. We're going to cook food we like. We're going to have fun. And if we win some awards, then it's it's icing on the cake. So if, if you're going out and strictly just trying to win, there's a chance you you might come away a little disappointed. But if, you, if you're sticking to having fun and doing what you, you know, good things happen. So we just keep a positive yeah. attitude about it. And I think even deeper, I think you have to have courage before you can have confidence. Mm-hmm. And I think we both have courage to just mm-hmm. go do it yeah, and then learn from it. I think that comes before the confidence. And so yeah, I just even in life being a kid and having the courage to go do something, I think at now when Jason told me when we were getting married that he wanted to start doing competition barbecue <laughs> and um, I was like, well, why? And he's like, because I, I think we can win. Can do that. I can do that. <laughs> and it was like, well, of course you can go for it. You know, it's just even, it was never a question. It was like, mm-hmm. well, how good are we? we? We always laugh and say, everybody loves free barbecue, but will they pay you for it? Right. Yeah. And for the record, Hickory Smoked Honeymoon uh, did not go over. And it was next time to wait till we got back. <laughs> uh, he physically, three was, days, three days, <laughs> was packing up for the very first barbecue contest, which, by the way, they forgot knives. <laughs> Yeah, which was our first barbecue contest without knives. So that takes a lot of courage right there. And then I think the confidence just, uh, you know how barbecue works though, Luke. I mean, that hook was set deep pretty early and mm-hmm. and, it, and it just continued to go and try to do our best. Absolutely. And, you know, you talked about courage and I think that's right because, you know, we all experience a lot of failures when we start in competition barbecue. And that's one of my favorite things to talk about because we all talk like to talk about what we won and how great we did at this and that. Mm-hmm. And with failure, you know, especially in competition barbecue, it gives you a lot of opportunity to learn. So do you guys have like a, a favorite failure of yours during a competition, something that really changed your trajectory a lot? The, the biggest failure that I remember was one of our early contest where we looking back we had no clue what we were doing anyways but we were just going for it and we were winning well we were placing we weren't we weren't winning gcs we went down to smoke on the water in arkansas it was a rain kind of a it was cold and it snowed the whole way home and we we nailed chicken ribs and pork like and incredible. it was like 200 teams down it was a big huge contest back when like rod was was just dominating every single contest right. uh pellet envy 
and uh, <laughs> and we we tried something new on brisket just just for fun, you know, just to see what happened. We took the jacquard to it and wrapped it up in plastic wrap, and just it came out like shoe leather. <laughs> and we got call, we got like top 10 calls in three categories and then just destroyed in brisket. And we, we would have won that contest, which was like a, you know, $20,000 yeah. spoke on the water event Yeah, uh, is what it is. We had a lot of fun. Got to drive home in the snow. I think another failure that was, was kind of one of those to overcome was after we did the American Royal and we ended up, you, you got up in the pit was cold. Yeah, so that's another. That's a, yeah, that's a good really one. good failure. Yeah, we so overcome adversity. There's a contest here in Kansas City in Soto, and as before all this COVID stuff happened, it was always the weekend and for the Royal changed weekends. It was always the weekend that got right after the American Royal. So it was still, it was cold out October, and we would uh, that was kind of our wind down after doing a big event, family and friends. We're here in Kansas City. That's where the American Royal is. So we always have a pretty good sized turnout, and we went have fun. It's a great team potluck. We were, we were relaxing. I get up at like 5 a.m., 6 a.m. to put the meat on, and I was cooking on a, a Rebel gravity-fed pit, and it was out. It was just cold. It was like 36 degrees out, and it was just ice cold. And <laughs> Megan started panicking. What? <laughs> uh, I panicked. And I was like, well, I guess we're just going to light it, put the meat in there, and run it hot, and see what happens. So that's what I did. I lit it, threw the meat in there, and I saw it get to about 90 degrees and went back to bed. I set the, set the fan for 325 degrees and got up a couple hours later, and we were we were on schedule. We ended up uh, 180, two categories, and scored wow. like a, a 710. Seven, seven, yeah, and won the whole thing. Yeah, by. Yeah. And it, it was like two firsts, a second, and a seventh. Yeah. yeah and, and one of the first was the perfect score. Of, at the time, it was one of the highest, highest scores. scores in KCBS history, just from oversleeping. Now, the downside of that is I thought I discovered a new way to cook barbecue, and I tried that cooking that way for another half year. And yeah, it, was, it, it didn't, <laughs> <laughs> didn't, did not work at all. I don't know why it worked that day, but it didn't after that. Yeah. Wow, that's kind of the best fail of all time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was a great, it was, it was a failure that worked out that day that cost me half a season the following year. <laughs> <laughs> Probably still worth it though, you know. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's a good story. <laughs> well, I mean, you guys have had a lot of great success on the competition trail. What has been the most surprising thing to come out of competition barbecue for you? HSN. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Barbecue and, and selling barbecue on uh, live national television for yeah. me wasn't something I was expecting or thinking we would ever achieve when we first got into just, you know, drinking beer and cooking barbecue in the parking lot around the street from our house. Right. Yeah. I, I, I think really being able to successfully take it commercial, but yet still be those competitors and not just go down the, well, now I have to have a restaurant. Well, now I have to have a store, a supply store. We let those individuals do what they do best. And then, you know, I think that's that's something kind of fun that because of our relevance and because of our awards, somebody believes that they should try our stuff. And that's a, that's pretty cool. That is very cool. That is very cool. So what advice would you give to a smart young cook that's about to enter the real world of competition barbecue? Practice. Practice and have fun. If you're yeah. not having fun, then... Uh... Find something else to do. Golf's a lot of fun and it's a lot less expensive. I started barbecue because I thought golf was expensive. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but not compared to competition barbecue. L little did I know what I was getting 
getting myself into. <laughs> it's that would be my, my advice to anybody doing it. Is just make sure you still have fun, right? You know, enjoy the journey, right? It's, right. If you can't enjoy the, the journey, then you don't, you don't really know what, what the, where the destination ultimately is going to lie. So and enjoy every moment along the way. Right. And I, I mean, barbecue's changed a lot, even in the time that I've been involved since 2012. What do you think is missing from competition barbecue these days? People hide in trailers. Yeah, there was this, when we first started, um, it was before everyone had trailers. It was all, there's a few trailers, but they, they were few and far between. Everybody was cooking under pop-ups. And so, and it had these rusty old smokers. So there was this peaceful calm in the morning when everybody's sleeping on cots and you could just hear the creak of the smokers opening and then terrafoil it was was quiet before the sun comes up people rapping that's gone now (laughs) everybody's everybody's tucked away so it's just it's just different wow you really did a great job describing that i could i can remember your heart feels it right right i can remember those days and it's you know it's five in the morning and nobody's playing loud music and you're just chilling and just you can hear that offset door open yeah i mean i'm wow man yeah. you're just all kinds of talented jason <laughs> we used to take a, an air mattress with us mm-hmm. we, we, we I, I drove a nissan frontier and we had a little goodwin smoker that we mounted on a harbor freight trailer that would just hitch in the back and we would throw our coolers two pop-up tents and our air mattress and then at night, we wherever we were at, we'd just inflate that air mattress either under in the street pants or under in the street wherever we were, and just rough it. We didn't didn't know any different. And right. so you'd hear hear everything, and it was a lot. It was calm, peaceful. It was just just what we did. And it was fun. You'd hear these conversations. One of my favorite conversations I remember hearing were these couple guys that were new. <laughs> you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. And you hear them, and they're like, so do you think these guys cook the same way every single time? Or do you think they're trying new stuff? Do you think they know exactly what they want to cook before they get here? Or are they just, change, are they just figuring it out as they go? Yeah. And you know, and you just hear, cause you hear conversations and you know, and it was like, Oh, young and naive. Little do they know how calculated and strategic and everything is down to, you know, a spreadsheet orchestrated. orchestrated. Yeah. And right. so, but yeah. we didn't know that when we started either. So, so it's just, it, it, this too shall, shall, shall come around. I, I love telling people they're like, when that I've hear, heard those all the time, you know, how do you, and I'm like, did you weigh each piece of chicken? Yeah. And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, come on, man. <laughs> how do you know what you're cooking? Yeah, right. They're all, <laughs> all going to be done at different times. But that leads yeah. right into, you know, some of my next questions. Let's switch gears a little bit and get into gear and talking about, yeah. you know, stuff. I, I mean, that's one of the things that I love about barbecue is all the stuff, all the different cookers and the gadgets and everything. How much do you depend on technology in your approach to a competition? Uh, a lot. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a nerd. So <laughs> when it comes to technology, I'm a computer guy. I've got all the gadgets we use a fireboard so it that it's a wi-fi thermometer device that pipes mm-hmm. all our temperatures up to my phone which then uploads it to the cloud and i graph them and take notes as we go overlaying yeah. co- different mm-hmm. cooked so that he can see where the variances are yeah yeah so this is so awesome we can, we can get into standard deviation of our cooks if you really want to but <laughs> wow do you 
Yeah, we've been, we've, I've gotten lost in the details. Yes, I've and spreadsheets full of data, tracking scores down to recipe changes. I yeah. <laughs> change log on, on my, uh, on each of our uh, recipes as well to know what changed at what point, what were the results? How does that tie back to our temperature curve? Yeah. Wow. But that's enjoyable to him, right? Right. But, and see, that's, you know, it's a little different in our trailer in that I have no idea what I'm doing. Except the actual cooking process. Kim knows every recipe, every injection, everything we've cooked since we started. She's kept track of every one of them. I haven't made an injection or a sauce in years. Haven't done it. And because that's the where it gets into strengths and weaknesses, that's her strength. Is the I, t- I tell people that her real name is Olivia Catherine Darnell. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time we've cooked in two months this weekend. And it's been an absolute show because she's like, well, what do you want to do here? What do you want to do there? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, what did we do last time? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. I kind of want to spend the the rest of the podcast talking about your, your variants. (laughs) This is. uh, Yeah. Well, and and I, I think that with that gear is he used to keep it all on paper before that. So this is, this is not a new thing. This was now just a much easier recall opportunity and a much more accurate. Yeah. Dive back in after the, after each contest, dive into the results, see if I can pinpoint exactly what changed. Is there, I attribute it to any change. Did a foil packet open anything. It's can I learn anything from those three numbers? And there's actually, you can learn quite a bit. There's some variance just based on the judges, but the, the, those three numbers can, that each judge gives you can tell you a whole heck of a lot if you've got all the surrounding details to, to tell the story. Man, I thought I knew some barbecue nerds, but I don't think that I do. <laughs> By the way, if there's any interest in anyone learning about this, we would be happy to try to put together a class. <laughs> oh, that would be... Wow, I'm, I am so intrigued because I, I am a science guy too and I love numbers and that's just fascinating to me. So let's keep going down this hole a little bit. You know, we all buy big expensive trailers and pits and anything. What's a purchase of $100 or less that has really impacted your barbecue life? Uh, and we can't say Thermopin. No, okay. Thermopin's going to kill me for that. The first one. Yeah, no, we left Thermopin. But the next obvious one, probably the toolboxes that I used were like, I'm very detail oriented. Things have to be in their place and exactly where I want them. And to the point of like obsession sometimes. It's it's amazing we're still married. (laughs) She's the opposite. Uh, But we we worked that out. I, I had... When we were really, really efficient, we, and at the time, we, the most contest we've done in a year was 29. Nine, I think, yeah. We were kind of points chasing, which back then was a lot. Now that's nothing compared to what, what guys are doing. We had to be very regimented on where everything was and how it fit into our, so it was a little truck. So I bought these two toolboxes that fit every single piece of equipment that we had just exactly perfect. I knew exactly where everything was. And it all played into my efficiency of the weekend. Uh, one stayed in the garage because it was things that get washed. And the, the one that had spices and restockables came in. It got restocked and went back out. So I just grab it, throw it in the truck and go. But that, it really didn't impact our cook, but it impacted our processes. It simplified 
the weekly routine of the checklist of everything that we need. Yeah. I think, I think a spice grinder would be another one. For finishing? Uh-huh. For finishing, yeah. I would add the one more thing to that list to look at equipment. The single best thing that changed changed our, our barbecue was the brisket knife. So the Mid-Atlantic Barbecue Association did a Wustoff-like long brisket slicer years ago. And while I didn't buy it, my mother-in-law gave it to me for Christmas. I think, it, I think it's like an $80, $80 yeah. knife. That thing was razor sharp and cut through brisket like butter compared to, I have no clue what we were using. Let's talk about the, one of the first times you used that knife, Jason. What happened? How, how, how sharp was that? I don't know what you're talking about. Lee, Lee Summit <laughs> brisket. Yeah, so the, uh, one of the first times we, well, that wasn't because of the, the knife. It was so sharp. You're talking about, you t- you're talking about, the, it was like DQ. a thermopen did it. I know, but yeah, then it sliced. Oh. Yeah. So, okay. Yes, she's right. I'm right. <laughs> it was a knife. So, and I still do it. I think it's worth the risk. I think everybody does. You just probe right through the foil to check yes. how things are doing. Well, pushed a tiny, tiny fleck of foil inside the, down into the fibers of the brisket. And that knife was so sharp that as I sliced the brisket, instead of it pushing it out, it cut it right in the middle. We never saw it. So it went into our turn-in zone and went to the judges, and the judges found it. It was a tiny, they called it a fleck. They, they said it was even too small to bring, put on their finger and, and bring out to show us it was so small, but it caught the light. And so we got disqualified. And it was on two pieces because it, yeah. sl- it, it sliced it. And so like it was on two a piece pieces. Of, a piece of glitter, like on the front of one and on the back of another. And they, they found it and they wrapped DQ. It in their head. I've always said that, you know, if I was in a judging tent <clears throat> and I saw that fleck of foil, I would just eat it or take it out and just be like, come on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, where that was, the size of it, I think is clearly not... An attempt. An attempt to jig the system. It was a very much an inadvertent accident, but you know, rules are rules, and we got a, we got our DQ out of it. As if you cook a barbecue long enough, you'll get one. It's a good story now. Yeah, I man, there's so many different rabbit holes to go in right now. So, what does your week look like before a competition? Do you have a set schedule of things that you do each day? When we're cooking back to back to back, Monday's the day off, day of rest. And then Tuesday starts with buying meats again. So buying and getting or thawing out the brisket and then buying ribs, pork. And then it kind of depends on how many stores we have to hit up. We tend to bounce around to several locations to make sure we're getting choice prime, choice cuts that meet my specs every single week. So we get in and get out. So we it may take around. 10 stores yeah. to find that perfect I've marbling. Got a, I've got a very efficient route I take through the city that <laughs> I can hit up the stores that I need and then they get home. Uh, Chicken wheat later on in the... Start packing, starting buying stuff on Tuesday, sauces, rubs on Wednesday, possibly even starting trimming of chick, uh, ribs and pork on Wednesday as well. Then hopefully the, the, we're just making like uh, injections and trimming out chicken, maybe even the brisket on, on Thursday. Thursday. And everything gets packed, packed into coolers and on the road Friday. That's awesome. Rinse, rinse and repeat. Yeah, we have a very similar schedule, uh, especially when we were cooking 35 a year. Oh, my gosh. You so know, many. You had to, there had to be that system or else, you know, the wheels would fall off. And But the day, the day of rest is also very important as well. 
Yes, yes. You have to you have to push Sunday doesn't count as a day of rest. Because you're because you're cleaning grates and you're yeah. cleaning trailers and yeah, yeah. you do something non non barbecue related and then get back into it on Tuesday. I like to say degreasing. Housework. Sunday's degreasing and housework. Right? Bills, deposit your winnings. Yeah. <laughs> So, so during the contest, this is one of my favorite questions because I feel like I'm one of the more superstitious people out there, but what, you know, habits and rituals and routines do you have for yourself during the competition? I'd say we're probably less superstitious now, although we do have, we let the kids every year pick out a team mascot. So we just take them to the toy store or store and they pick out some sort of character. Yeah. Um, and so that that mascot travels with us. But back when we were competing a lot, I, I had... I had my, my lucky Guinness underwear and I had my lucky shorts and I called them my lucky shorts because the fly was broken. It always came down. Which it was really <laughs> my lucky shorts. <laughs> and, uh, but I had to have those on and then we had chef shoes that were like those rubber sold chef shoes that had bacon strips on them. So those were our lucky shoes as well. I was just uh, the same. Everything had to be the same down to clothes, the granola, very specific granola bar that I ate in the in the morning. I called it my good luck granola. And <laughs> it was just this, this, something about doing the exact same thing every single time positions you to execute your cook in the exact same way, the exact same time or each time as well. So it's just a mindset and a mentality. No, I, I 100% agree. And I, I too have the same underwear problem. Um, <laughs> we're aware I, I have two two new pair that i think i might break out this weekend i don't know i'm trying to talk myself into it but it's a big change it's a really big change <laughs> well i think of all years to go ahead and just do some some change and this might be it yeah if we've learned anything from 2020 is that Maybe luck doesn't have anything to do with it and superstition doesn't have anything to do with it. It's about how hard you work and yep. and your mindset into it. Now, is that going to convince me to wear the Wonder Woman underwear? I don't know. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but I didn't order them actively. They just came and I was like... <gasps> That's a sign. Kind of. A little bit. Kind of. They found you. They did. They did find me. So I think they might get worn Friday. Uh, <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so let's talk about influences in barbecue who has impacted your life most in competition barbecue there was a gentleman that we cooked next to early on at the american royal uh, his name is rodney dyke and him and his wife cecilia their team was all american barbecue and and we as just a bunch of ragtag idiots just done our third contest got stuck next to them at the american royal and they were so nice to us, even though we had kegs and we're doing keg stands and he's trying to cook the invitational. He gave us a lot of great advice in the beginning. He knew, obviously, it was our second second. It was our second, second contest and that we didn't know what we were doing. So he let us taste his food um, as we were just we were doing anything on the invitational day. He was busy working. So he, he showed us everything he was doing to some degree, just. You had to ask the this. right question. He would answer any question, but he wasn't going to volunteer the information. He had to know the right question to ask. Yeah. And all he ever asked in return was that if somebody else ever needs help, and he just wanted the path, us to pass along that same information or any other information that we would have to help somebody else get into 
to barbecue. And a lot of things he taught us early on had a big impact on our barbecue career. Um, some of the the routines that they had and how, yep. how efficient they, they were, because it was just him and his wife on their two pop-ups. Um, they had a big, huge spice wine smoker that they hauled, hauled around. Um, oh, they were as nice as can be. Um, and we we ran into them for years at years. the American World before they retired from barbecue. Yeah. Um, they had a, a really, really big impact on us at, at the beginning. That's fantastic. I haven't All heard American barbecue. Yeah, I haven't heard that name in a long time, but it's good to hear it and good to have them get some props here on the show. When you hear the word successful in terms of barbecue, who's the first person that comes to mind? Oh man, first person. It depends. Are you talking commercial? Are you talking competition? Competition success. Successful in life? It can be any of the three. We've had answers that run the gamut because you're right. There's so many different names that come up for different reasons. Yeah. And I guess this it's a hard one. Yeah. So the, the, the team that was on top when we were first starting was a Munch and Hogs at the Hilton. Oh yeah. Um, Rob was an animal and, and it, no matter where we went, he was there and winning. Yeah. And so that him and then as and then True Bud cycled in there for a while. And just, I, th- I think that was our first experience with somebody who just purely dominated the field, no matter where they went, what they did. It was, it, that's, that was me. From a winning standpoint, that seems like our first, first foray into someone just purely dominating anybody and everybody. Yeah, that's, I hope to have Tim on the show at some point. I think that would be a, a really great interview. He is, uh, I've just come to know him in the last couple of years. Yeah. And uh, he's, he went hard. Yeah. Just a fascinating guy too. Well, yeah. and that's the thing is he had success because he was really out there going from coast to coast, trying to get it done. He was, you know, when, ask him when he's coming back, every time I see him, <laughs> when you coming back, he just shakes his head and rolls his eyes, never answers the question. So I keep asking. We saw him down. We saw him down at the Big 12 tournament. He was yeah. poking around. I said, uh oh, somebody's missing this. <laughs> so, and then I'm going to, every time I see him down there, I'm like, hey, next year, man, you're coming and you're going to cook with me. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going to go to the games. <laughs> yep. Yeah. So, I mean, from going into, to answer your question again, going into competition barbecue, the name that, that I knew and was synonymous with barbecue was Paul Kerr. Paul Kerr, uh, yeah. That was, that was the, the big name. He had the books. He was, you know, associated with KCBS. That was that before getting immersed in the culture. That's who I would have said it was, was the successful individual out of competition barbecue. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't he the first to commercially make rubs available. Yeah. I mean, he's the godfather of, barbecue rubs commercial yeah. rub so yeah. oh that's a great name that's and all of these names and everything that you guys are mentioning will be reflected in the show notes so people can go and look these people up if they need and paul kirk you know what a huge influence on all of us even if they people don't know that they were influenced by paul kirk they were influenced by paul kirk <laughs> if you're using red barbecue rub you've been influenced by paul kirk <laughs> <laughs> I know that competition year has been kind of weird and difficult. Do you have a vision or a future that you think about in the competition world? You know, any goals that you have for yourself? I mean, I think we really want to focus on the world championships. That's really, I think, where we want 
to, to take it. We want to play on the big stage and, and really do that. And then I think it's really important. We have our family, our kids come with us. And so, um, as a matter of fact, I think my daughter is just joining us. Um, but, but the thing is, is, um, can you give me just one minute, sweetie? Yeah. (laughs) No, we are not almost done lady. No. (laughs) So, so the, Take, taking the kids and being able to go places and do things with them. And so when there's a competition that's at the lake, I, we want to go do that. Um, but I think really where, where we're focused is staying relevant and having fun with it and, and taking the kids when it makes sense and then going and trying to hit some of those bigger contests. I don't yeah, know. How, hey, our goal is to, it has been for the last year. Yeah. We've, been, we've, we've reduced the number of events we've done. Okay. And, uh, we focus on dinner. Events, so. We, the quality. We went, yeah, we went to Memphis in May, and so we did it two years before. It was, would have been our third, but it got canceled this year. Yeah. It's, it's just a whole other level of commitment to do that style of event. It's, it's, you, it's so much more energy, so much more financial commitment, so much more time commitment to go and do that type of event. But it's so much fun and so rewarding. Fortunately, they had to cancel the event. So, but we do plan to go back to Memphis in May, obviously the American Royal. There was a big, huge barbecue contest in Southern Missouri for, uh, called Rock and Ribs that we, we love to go to because they had all sorts of ancillary contests. We got to make Bloody Marys and margaritas for, for those contests as well. It was just fun. Yeah. Uh, it was on-site judging, so it has that kind of Memphis feel to it, even though you're just, you know, getting people drunk. <laughs> But that, that's been kind of our goal is to focus on the bigger events. We were lucky enough to get pulled for the Jack a couple of years ago. But Megan has also been lucky enough to have been asked to judge the Jack for the last few years. So even if we're not competing there, we get to do it once. We still go to that event and have a presence there. It's it's a lot of fun to actually go to the Jack and not have to do all the work. <laughs> and enjoy the sights and sounds. <laughs> Memphis. Judging it is not, it's not hard. I mean, it's not easy. That's not easy. Judging yeah. is not easy. No, no, it can't be when you're getting that quality of teams and that many. Yeah. Yeah, it's got to be really tough. And Memphis is a contest that I've not been to. It's something that I'm looking hopefully to do and if they have it next year, which let's cross our fingers and hope that they do. And then, and that's great. You know, it's one of those things that I think cooking the quality events instead of the quantity of events really, as we've all gone through competition barbecue, that be, that means more and more. You know, it's about, like you talked about at the beginning, and trying to in, enjoy the journey, right? And so we've just got different commitments in life now with with little children. And so being able to to take two big trips is a, is a lot different than, you know, driving all over the country every, every weekend. So it's just, it's just different. But I would like to get back to the point where we're competing a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, old, you know, you're 10, 15 years out. I think I could see us getting really back into doing some of some of the more chasing Right now, we want we want the big win. Absolutely, and it's cooking the constantly. And you know, you guys went through a couple of years where you cooked a lot of events. What do you think separates a good pitmaster from a great pitmaster? Knowing how to actually cook. There's a lot of people that follow other people's recipes and that don't know the whys around it. They're they're just thinking they're going to get get the same results, but that's that's not the case. You have you have to know the why, and you have to know what to do when things don't go according to plan. It's it's being able to, to close the deal the last five minutes if you're boxing. Taste, adjust, and send it to the judge. If you can't do that, it doesn't matter what recipe you're using, you're not going to win. You might get lucky, but you're not going to win consistently. 
Right, right. I think that last five minutes is so important. Yeah, you can do everything right leading up to going into the box, but if uh, you, you oversalt it at the last second, dead in the water. Or, or no. if you don't put any salt on it and you need it, yeah. you're dead in the water. That's still dead in the water. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for your time. Now we're going to get into the fun round of my questions, which... Uh, this has been all fun. No, it's been fantastic having you guys on. And I really thank you for taking the time. But these are my favorite questions that I ask of everyone. And what is one of your favorite pre, during, or post-competition meals? My One of my favorite post-competition meals, and part of the reason we always went to uh, Rock and Ribs, is there's a little pizza joint in Clinton, Missouri called Pizza, pizza Glen. And they they have they have good pizza, but they have this salad that's so good after a barbecue competition. And it's good because they put like a pile of mozzarella cheese that's <laughs> like six inches tall. So it's just like cheese and and, and some lettuce and, and dressing, and you know, it makes you feel good because you're eating salad. So yeah, I think I we I like we used to get sushi a lot too. Yeah, we, did, we did sushi. That's that's nice afterwards. Well, I know a lot of people do ice cream, which I'm just not a big yeah. I'm not a big ice cream fan. Pizza Glen salad in Clinton, Missouri. Oh, that hits the spot. Yeah, it's got it's got the fake bacon bits like bagels on it too. Oh yeah. Well, and you and you and your your good luck granola. Oh yeah, well, that's in, yeah that's in the morning though. That's before. Yeah. Uh, when we were cooking every single weekend, I had the same routine. I would stop at the gas station up here on the way to a contest. I would buy my bags of ice. I would get a sausage biscuit, like <laughs> Lando whatever farms sausage biscuit that's been sitting in the, the warmer for who knows how long and a thing of orange juice. I had like a jar of orange. I did that every single contest. To the point where the guy working at the convenience store was like, who are you and what do you do? <laughs> Yeah, I always had my burnt finger shirt on. So yeah, yeah and I got I got to know him. So he'd have my ice ready, make sure a biscuit was good to go. <laughs> he even came out and sauce at a contest. <laughs> we, have, we have these random we we got grand champion of that contest, and I have these pictures of this random convenience store guy <laughs> with our son on his shoulder. Like that's the hot air balloon festival <laughs> that we we ended up winning grand champion. Yeah. That's fantastic. What's your favorite present that you like to give to people? You are a terrific present giver. You mean at like at barbecue contests? No, just in life just, in general. Just in, in life. Just in life in general. Well, it changes. That's the that's the the art of giving a good gift. You got you have to understand what somebody needs but won't get it himself. Guy. <laughs> He's like a parfait. He has so many layers. <laughs> so good. I do like to make gift baskets, custom gift baskets. So when we were when we were dating, I made for Christmas we were gonna be <laughs> uh, doing lobster. It was kind of our thing. We did seafood at Christmas time. So I made a lobster gift basket that had like crab claw, oven mitts and total themed out the Apron, apron bibs. bibs and the little butter dishes and a, and a crab and a lobster dish to put all the shells in. So I like making gift baskets. He's a theme guy. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. These answers are amazing. On a somber note, if it's somebody who's had a, you know, an illness or something like that, I like to give like disposable cutlery and plates and napkins and paper towel give them like the the whole works for not having to do dishes during the time of of grieving or or need so great that's that's something i like to do 
wow, I feel like I really need to change my my gift giving game a little bit. I give people underwear. So yeah. I was gonna say underwear is not a bad thing. <laughs> it's a little weird when you send Donnie Teal underwear. Yeah, uh, but you are sending him a theme that you've thought about. That's true. That's true. See? <laughs> it's just your it's your gift basket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <It's- laughs> we'll remove the connotation from that one. <laughs> but <it'll>, boom. <laughs> All right. So what do you see about barbecue on social media that upsets or bothers you? You know, I, I actually don't don't really care what people put on, on social media. It doesn't it doesn't really bother me. I I just like to see what people are doing. You know, people are cooking barbecue, it's a good thing. Um, yeah. you know, there's people there's there's this phase of experimentation and learning and trying new things and, and it, it, everybody's in a different phase of it and it's just fun to get new people involved you know there's all sorts of viral recipes that go around right now with the bacon wrapped oreos that are everybody's losing their mind over it was queso, queso a yeah. month ago or whatever and so it's 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 fun to watch that stuff yeah. and if it's getting people involved with barbecue that's good for everybody yeah i don't i don't really think anything bothers me as a matter of fact i i like to use it as a filter kind of I was like does this guy really know what he's doing or does this girl really know what they're doing and then you can kind of you know decide whether or not you want to learn more about what other recipes they have or things that they're doing so yeah. I yeah. would say it. okay the guy who blames the judges every single time every single time it's always the judge's <laughs> fault that does that that's my answer <laughs> final answer there's a different set of judges in that tent every single time and all those people are always wrong. They're maybe, always wrong. They're maybe always it's the wrong. other person who's this, the one consistent factor every single time. <laughs> Mr. Data over here. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, now I'm really excited about this question. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it that gets a message out to millions or billions, what would it say and why? One giant billboard. Yep, one um, message out to people. That's a good question. At one point, I would have envisioned like the world's largest bacon explosion dangling over Times Square, maybe even illuminated and just like rotating on a spit, just bacon explosion. (laughs) I think, okay, so I think one of the things, especially right now with COVID, I think probably a message that I would want to get out is that Ships don't sink because of the water that's around them. They sink because what sneaks in and weighs them down. So that's a lot to read. Right. I mean, just, just letting it's someone's they're parking and they're looking at this thing. I think really that, I mean, don't let what's happening around you sink in and weigh you down. Like there's really take care of your, your boat and, and what's in there. And I think keep, keep it full of what, is important and what you need and don't let what's going on around you sneak in a way down. I guess that would be, no, if you could great. figure out a, a easy way to synopsis to put that onto a billboard. Be happy. Be happy. <laughs> That's another great with one. What you got. Be happy with what you got. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, th- I want to thank you guys so much for taking the time to be on here. I'm going to give you a few minutes here to talk about where people can find you online. Sure. Well, we are Burnt Finger Barbecue. We have a website, burntfingerbbq.com. So you can log on to there. We've got an online store that's got our sauces and seasonings directly from us. We are in retailers across the country, Bass Pro, Cabela's, 
Westlake, Ace Hardware, to name a few, um, barbecue shops, individual barbecue barbecue supply shops across the country. And Australia. And Australia now. We've, we've landed down under. Um, if they don't have our products, all you have to do is ask them um, and give them that information and they can, they can get a hold of us. Or you can give us their, the store name and we'll get a hold of them as well. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the social medias. Um, and we just put together a, a Burnt Finger Barbecue Friends and Recipes group. So now that we've, we're growing our product usage, we're going to build a community of folks that can show how they use our products, our sauces and seasonings. Um, and also the stuff we sell on HSN as well. Um, yeah. We've got a lot of folks that are that are eating burnt finger pulled chicken out there right now. And so we want to see how they're using it and what they're doing with it and communicating. Yeah. I think a guy just posted today that you helped him do a really great brisket. Yeah, and- yeah it's fun to see. That's one of the things. You know, once we start moving a lot more product, it's kind of kind of weird to see it disappear and then never know what it's being used for, what people are doing. We, are, we know it's going somewhere and being used. Who's using it? So um, yeah, it's a way to, for us to kind of check in. And if people have questions on how to use it, or maybe we can get ideas on how, how we can use it or develop more products. Uh, yeah, we want to hear from you. So yeah. it's Finger Barbecue group on Facebook group. Uh, it's like slash friends and recipes, something yeah. like that. You'll find it. And then at BBQ, I'm sorry, at Burnt Finger BBQ on all the, Mm-hmm. All the, Instagrams and all the medias, the medias, and then we Cook Shack has been a huge sponsor for us, and we're just very thrilled that they've continued to be, you know, really our go-to when it comes to these big events. Fireboard has been extremely helpful for us. We do barbecuers delight for our pellets yeah. because we're pellet smokers. Yeah, those Cook Shack kits play right into with the Fireboard and technology. Um, you can just dial. It's helped us dial our processes in. Just perfect. It's super repeatable. Uh, we cook on the not only competition at home. We've got we've got cook check pits out on the patio here. Yeah. So And separate ones that stay in the trailer. Uh, they're mm-hmm. awesome units. Okay. They make pizza ovens too. Yeah, we're excited for their pizza yeah. oven. And then uh, the other place you can find us, we've mentioned it several times, is on the Home Shopping Network. So you can log on to the home hsn.com. Yep. Um, Search for burnt finger barbecue. You see all the, the prepared meat options we have. And then Megan appears quite regularly now on live television. So we post that to, to the social medias. Live from our kitchen. We're uh, broadcasting live from, from our kitchen. So you can catch her on live television as well. Great, great. Well, thank you guys again. And I look forward to seeing you here in the very near future, hopefully. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Great to chat with you. All right, guys. Take care. Thank you for listening to Pitmaster an Old Virginia Smoke podcast. Be sure to subscribe and like the podcast, rate the podcast, and to share it out with your friends. Also, be sure to check out the Old Virginia Smoke YouTube channel as well. Particularly, check out our perfect Thanksgiving turkey video that came out this week in time for the upcoming holiday. Next week, we go across the pond and check in with one of the most successful teams in Europe and really good friends of Old Virginia Smoke, Tom and Doreen Reyes with Southern Dutch Barbecue. For companies interested in advertising, please contact Old Virginia Smoke directly via www.oldvirginiasmoke.com. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is edited by Chris Sedenka. Pitmaster, an Old Virginia Smoke podcast, is a property of Old Virginia Smoke, LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright 2020. Virginia, 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 Virginia,